It's a bit of a surprising week, I guess you could say, in our country. And what I'm referring to is the, the leaked document from the majority opinion seems to be from the Supreme Court case, the, the Dobbs case, which would effectively overturn Roe versus Wade in our country, which, you know, that's pretty awesome for first, first and foremost. But a bit of a surprising thing, to say the least. And I say surprising because, well, I've been to the March for Life ten times. And every time you go to the March for Life, you think, well, I guess I'll be back here next year. And we keep going and we keep praying. And you think, in your lifetime, is this going to change? And after you go, who knows how many times you're like, well, I, I guess this is here to stay. And for me, I guess that's an underestimate. I underestimated the power of prayer or the power of Jesus Christ because this would be just an, an incredible thing and just an awesome uh, thing for our country. Of course, it, would, it wouldn't like, elite, make abortion illegal in our country. It would just kick it down to the states. And, but so many states are, are making good laws that protect the dignity of human life. So my, my first reaction is just jubil jubilant. The second one is a bit surprise. The third one is a little bit of concern because I've, I've been around not too long, but I don't ever remember an opinion of the Supreme Court being leaked before it's finalized. It's a bit of a head scratcher. How does that happen? Why does that happen? There's, of course, people that have made some assumptions and they're doing an investigation into it, but it's a little bit of a sign of the times that we're living in that you know, the Supreme Court can't deliberate in peace and then make their decisions, their decisions known. It gives just a sense of the instability of the times that we live in. Whether it's an instability of, you know, the worry of, you know, there was a, a group you may have saw that was trying to organize people, people to, to interrupt masses throughout the United States this, this Mother's Day. And I don't know if that happened or not. I didn't check the news today. But even a leak of a Supreme Court document or people, you know, last year storming the Capitol and all different things that happen on either side. It's just a sense of, of instability in our own times right now. And so with that in mind, how do we respond? You know, how do we as believers in Jesus Christ respond to this time of instability? And I think we get a great lesson in the second reading today. The second reading we have the book of Revelation, John's vision of eternity, but it's, it's kind of in a, a, a literary form that is for things that happen then and now. So there's, we get this vision of the great multitude, a great cloud of witnesses we hear that have endured the tribulation, right? They've endured the suffering. And in John, the, the apostles' time period, those were the martyrs, right? Those were the ones that gave their life for Jesus Christ. But every era of the church, every era of history has their own moments for tribulation, has their own moments of difficulty, and has people that are witnesses, has people that persevere. And that's really the call that all of us are given, a call to perseverance, a call to endurance in the midst of all the instability of all the difficulty that our times have. There's a man whose cause for canonization is open who is a, a priest up in the Detroit area, Blessed Solanus Casey, who would, people would all the time come to him and bring, bring their prayer requests to him. And he would often say, don't pray for easier lives. Pray to be made stronger. Don't pray for easy lives. Pray to be made stronger. 
And I think that's the answer in the midst of turbulence, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of all that we go through in our lives, that we ask the Lord for strength, not for the cross to be lighter, the strength to carry it. And there's so many great images in the Gospels of Jesus doing this. You think about that boat that's tossed about on the waves, that's tossed about here, there, and everywhere. That Jesus is asleep in the boat, and sometimes we feel like Jesus is asleep. Heck, for 49 years, having this law, Roe versus Wade, you know, this opinion, or this law on the books to legalize abortion, you think, well, Lord, are, are you going to wake up, right? Is there any, anything going on? Come on, Lord. And of course, he calms the turbulent seas. So part of our role of how do we get this strength, how do we endure, is to heed the words of the gospel. A very short gospel, but we hear that Jesus is the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me, our Lord says. The shepherd speaks, and we have to be attuned to his voice. We have to be attuned to the way he speaks. And this image of a shepherd, and maybe you know this, but a, a shepherd walks, and they want to lead their sheep where they want to go. And so how do the sheep follow the shepherd? But they have their ears attuned to his voice, and they're willing to follow the shepherd to the pasture. Such a great image of Jesus Christ inviting us, him speaking and us following his voice. And that's how we make it through any time, our own time here and now, or any, any time in the history of the church. We follow the voice of the good shepherd. And first and foremost, that means we have to listen. Before we start talking, before we start telling people things, we first have to listen for the good shepherd. And then, once we've listened, then we're actually invited to imitate the good shepherd. And we just don't watch the good shepherd, we just don't listen to him, but then we have to imitate, we have to follow. And as our country basically enters a new chapter in this discussion of, of abortion and all the, the political process that happens, Right? It's, it, it goes down to the states now. It's not the final say for our whole country. It's going to take a whole lot of us being good shepherds, a whole lot of us acting with charity, especially with those who we disagree with. You know, do we jump down people's throats or do we try to listen and try to so gently bring people to the goodness of all human life, the dignity that all of us were made in the image and likeness of God? It's going to take a whole lot of charity. It's going to take a whole lot of patience going to take a whole lot of kindness, but we reflect the dignity of human life in how we talk to each other, how we talk with those we disagree with, how we're able to listen, but how we're able to gently but firmly speak the truth. But charity doesn't just end in political discourse, right? Charity doesn't just exist in, in conversations we have with people, or being pro-life isn't just how we vote. If our abortion laws in our country get tighter, if the access to abortion is restricted, which hopefully, Lord, it is, that may mean that there's a lot more children that are born, who are born into places they aren't wanted, are born into families that aren't exactly excited about having another child. And charity's gonna kick in again for us. Charity's gonna come in another place where we're going to have to support our crisis pregnancy centers. They could get a whole lot busier in these next couple years. 
and it's going to be part of our responsibility to make sure they have the manpower, to make sure they have the resources, to make sure they have the donations they can to support everybody who's going to need their services. So we've got the Family Life Center here in, in Wapakoneta. There's also the Elizabeth New Life Center down in Sydney. It's going to be an opportunity for all of us to support these pregnancy centers in any way that we can and to do that with the utmost charity. And then there may be others of us that are called to live charity in an even more radical way, more than just giving our time and volunteering or, or giving our, our resources or buying some diapers. There may be some of us that have to prayerfully consider being foster parents or adopting children who aren't wanted. And that's going to be one of the ways that we're going to be able to support the dignity of all human life, is to welcome life where it's not wanted, is to give a home to children that may have otherwise not had a chance at life. It's going to be the one of the ways that we're going to be able to support all life. So on this day, and in this time when our country's going through so much, but individuals are going through a lot too, that we redouble our efforts to pray and to be charitable, to pray for all mothers, especially on this Mother's Day, but all those mothers that are pregnant and they didn't want to be. They are expecting children and they don't know what to do. They're confused. They get pressure from family members, from friends, or, or any way, shape, and form, and they don't know where to turn to pray for all of those mothers that they may respect the dignity of all human life and they may be given the courage to choose life. We pray for our country, we pray for our lawmakers, we pray for our Supreme Court justices, and we pray for all of the world that may, may respect the dignity of all human life. And we have to be the ones to show people that life is good, to show people that life is worth with living by how we treat each other, by how we talk with each other, by how we encourage, by how we care, and how we support one another. It's all of our responsibilities to show the dignity of all human life and the goodness that every single life has, whether they have a difficult diagnosis or they're born into a family that's been waiting for a child for a decade. The Lord will see us through all difficult times. And if we can pray, if we can trust, and we can follow the voice of the Good Shepherd, He'll lead us. He'll lead us through difficult times. He'll show us how to be charitable, and he'll allow us to live a joyful life so that every one of us can show the dignity of all human life from our smallest actions to our biggest sacrifices.